This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. It's a development that is throwing a wrench into many people's Christmas and winter travel plans. But will the new rules and restrictions on travel slow down or even stop the advance of the Omicron variant? And of course, those new restrictions are that now, if you're coming back from anywhere other than the United States, in addition to having your negative test, you have to take another one at the airport and self-isolate until you get a negative result. Uh, that seems like going backwards. That seems like a, a big to-do. I'm sure that it will change a lot of people's minds. So the numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now let's welcome Dr. Alon Vaisman, epidemiologist and infectious disease specialist at the University Health Network, and Martin Firestone, travel expert and president of Travel Secure. Thank you both for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, Dr. Vaisman, first of all, your take on the new restrictions, uh, what do you think? Yes, yeah, so if we're focusing just on the, the new announcement regarding the testing and the isolation, I think it may have the effect of slowing down the transmission of the virus. But the question is, to what extent is it already here and to what extent is it in the U.S.? And the reason that's important is because this, um, this policy does not apply to people traveling from the U.S. So it makes sense to initiate some of these restrictions in the meanwhile, but uh, the travel bans themselves are, are different, and I, I think that is probably of less value. Okay, and and uh, Martin, uh, I bet it's uh, going to slow down business. <laughs> I would say we are one step forward and two steps back with what's happened now. We were just beginning to think it was behind us. We were having a banner month of people, everybody getting away. And as of the last two days, hesitancy galore on international travel, for sure. And even to the U.S., they're worrying about this upcoming Thursday, what potential announcements going to be made with respect to a new requirement to enter into the U.S. Okay. I mean, if I may digress for a moment, here's something that's making me a little, uh, you know, uh, so the, one of the favorite things of our leaders at all levels of government, one of the favorite things they've been saying for the last few days is it's, it's a cause for concern, but it's, it's not a cause for panic. So my question is, what's a cause for panic and, and what will be made better by us panicking? I mean, really, what, I mean, what are they saying with that? Dr. Vaisman? I think a cause for panic might be if we find out that this new variant is truly a lot more deadly, so a lot more virulent than the previous variants we had, and is in fact as transmissible as is theorized. But if it's simply more transmissible with either equivalent or less virulent, then it's not a you know a cause to panic. I'm assuming panic means to some extent more restrictions or some kind of higher level of you know authoritarian you know measures or something, but of course, panic doesn't necessarily mean being irrational. But really, right now, we don't know the answer to that question. And we don't know if this new variant is far more virulent than what we currently have. 
And so these kinds of um, mandates regarding traveling, coming into the country, testing in isolation are kind of one way that you could possibly slow down the transmission of this virus until we do know more. Uh, and Martin, what's your sense? I mean, it, it isn't affecting people going to and from the United States. So uh, what's your sense from your clients? Well, it's not yet. I mean, as I said Thursday, you could find out a couple things that he wants uh, a one-day, 24-hour test result as opposed to the current 72-hour one, which I'm not quite sure how you run and get one and get the results and get yourself uh, uploaded and all that and get yourself ready to go. So that's a concern. But the real concern would be if he enforced, this is President Biden, the a seven-day quarantine for all people entering the U.S. That would be problematic, I think. So that's a major concern. And internationally, no one I know wants to be in some country and find out that they can't get back to Canada, as is what's happening in South Africa. So that's causing tremendous concern at this point. Yeah, uh, I would imagine that. Um, and again, Dr. Vaisman, in terms of the the travel ban, so here's one thing that has me scratching my head. Uh, Dr. Tam, our chief medical officer, said that in terms of a ban, she was banning places where they failed to detect it. Um, until after another country detected that they had it in, in their midst. Uh, but the United States is exempted. And I think it's, it's probably, uh, very, uh, overly optimistic to assume that it's not there if we have it. Right. Um, it seems unlikely that there wouldn't be a single case in the U.S. now, given how large it is and how many cases there have been in the past. But the rationale behind the travel ban is not, not really consistent, given that we know now that it's it's possible that it was found in Europe, even it, it was in Europe, I should say, before it was even detected in South Africa and the other African nations. So a ban on travelers, specifically from those nations in Africa, doesn't really make sense. It didn't really make sense in the beginning and certainly doesn't make sense now, given we know how widespread it is in Europe and Israel and other countries in the world. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know how widespread it is. Here we have seven cases. That are, are, are the case actual numbers that large? Well, it's it's more the the idea that if you ban people from these countries, are you actually tr- reducing transmission at all? And is it have, going to have any positive effect in the future on the overall management of the pandemic? And the likely answer is no, because what we're saying is that we're punishing these countries who are doing a good job of detecting the new variants and not really providing any kind of reward. And it's outright not very fair, considering that these variants have already been, you know, numerous. You know, this probably. 60 cases found in other countries already. So, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. So, you know, this message it's sending is not very positive and also doesn't really make sense when it's so prevalent in other European countries that we're not issuing bans to. Yeah, I mean, the, the South Africa is uh, sort of protesting, saying, hey, we shared the information and you're punishing us for it. It's really not fair. Uh, right. But I guess uh, uh, countries w- want to do what they can, or at least to be seen to be doing what they can. Um, Marty, um, is there any kind of reaction where you have people saying, you know, we're going to get while the getting's good? We're gonna- Very much so. Um, the snowbirds who all left in November, the majority of them are now suggesting they want to get out a little earlier because they're not sure what the U.S. Uh, announcement could be on Thursday, so I'm getting that today. And then there's others that are saying, you know what, I'm concerned and I may just wait till things settle down. So there's that hesitancy and unknown at this point. And we didn't have that a week ago. If anything, we had just full tilt ahead. 
it's behind us, everything is good. And unfortunately, they don't quite feel that same way now. So we wait and see. But are there people who are saying, hey, I was going to go in January, but I am going to go now before there, before I end up having to self-isolate uh, once I get to Florida or anything like that? Yeah, not not really, because they've either got a rental that doesn't begin till January or, or, or they don't. And, and so that's the thing. The majority of them who could get away because they own a, a residence or a condo or something like that, all left in November. The ones who are going in January because they have a rental that they're taking for two, three months. So they, they don't have anywhere to go. So they're not going to go early. They just hope by January, the requirements for the negative PCR test to come home will be out of the way. But that that's, these things are all in the back burner now. They were almost all here where they waived the 72-hour uh, one for Canadians entering in. And we thought we'd get the other one waived for people traveling longer than 72 hours. But I don't think they're going to touch any of that for a while now. Hmm. Okay, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Shelly in Thornhill. Hello, Shelly. Hello, Libby. Um, it's a lovely sunny day today, and uh, I love your show. Thank you. So uh, my husband and I went to visit my daughter and grandson in the U.S. We uh, came back on Monday, this past Monday, and my after doing our PCR tests and getting, you know, negative results, and when we crossed the border, my husband was lucky enough to be picked to be random sampled yet again. He had to do another PCR test, and we had to do it at home. Yep. And we had to do it within 24 hours. Needless to say, as seniors, we were totally exhausted. So we started to do it yesterday morning. Um, And we had to use, it's called Switch Health. And we had to log in on something called ASMO, A-S-M-O. And it was the worst experience I've ever had on any Internet site in the, you know, all the years that I've used the Internet in different sites. And I'm fairly good at it. And uh, they did not tell you what information you needed ahead of time. So we're busy running around trying to find all these different numbers and information that they wanted. And it was terrible. So then we called them and finally got a hold of someone. And it took her an hour to walk us through the process of just getting an account on ASMO. And then it said, oh, we're very busy right now. There's no nurse to talk to you as you do your sample. So call back in five hours. And I refused to do that. And I held on and argued with her. And finally, she must have pushed a button because all of a sudden it said, we're 15th in line. It will be 10 minutes. (laughs) And okay, did you get it done? Yeah, we got it done. But it took an hour and a half of our lives. And um, it was ridiculous, and it was hard. And my husband is um, almost 80. I'm in my mid-70s. And let me tell you, he could not have done this on his own. It was, you needed two people, and too bad my daughter wasn't sitting beside me, because maybe she could have maneuvered through it a bit faster. Okay. Shelly, thank you for sharing that. That's um, not something any of us would be looking forward to it. I'm well, sorry it was such I'm a hassle. Well, the reason this is if they decide to use the same system when everyone's coming back from all these different countries, it's going to be a horror story for people. Okay, Shelly, thank you for that. You're 
Um, yeah, that sounds pretty bad. I know that my husband came back from Germany like the first week that this was available in the summer, and uh, his experience was smooth, but maybe uh, they have fewer people or fewer people handling it or more people uh, online, and it, that sounded like a very bad experience. Okay, uh, Ian in London. Hello, Ian. Hi, Libby. Um, my question is about the self-isolation with the Omicron. And if you come back into the country and you test positive, how do you self-isolate going from the airport to your home? Uh, somebody has to take you, and you're obviously not self-isolating. You could be potentially spreading it. So what exactly do they mean by that? Uh well, uh, at the airport, the, the test that they give you, you wouldn't have a result from it leaving the airport, right? They give you, usually they give you a test that you have to take within 24 hours. I see. So, so there would be possibly some transmission yeah, between there would the airport be. and home. Right. But you had to, you'd have to stay home until you got a negative result. Right. Which is right. not what you have to do now. Thanks for your call. Thanks. Um, Dr. Vaisman, do you see a lot of confusion out there that maybe will uh, be very detrimental? Yeah, I mean, it certainly could be an issue. I think some travelers who experienced this in the past when things are slightly opening up earlier will have experience with this process of having to quarantine after travel and having to test after travel. So it may be familiar to some people. Um, I think with reference to the earlier caller, the people would be advised to do their best to minimize any kind of contact when traveling from the airport to wherever it is they're isolating. So, you know, some people need to drive themselves, some people need to take a cab, but just try to minimize that as much as possible until it's identified that you do not have the virus, and certainly when you, if you don't have the Omicron variant. Um, yeah, so, um, um, Marty, um, again, there seems to be a fair amount of confusion. And, you know, a place like Florida, there, it's pretty freewheeling there, you know, um, probably uh, a little too freewheeling for the taste of most Canadians. I'm hearing back from many of my clients that are down there now that they are seeing some adherence to rules. They are finding waiters, waitresses are wearing masks. They are eating outdoors, so that solves that problem. And they are social distancing and continuing to follow all the rules. So the most, for the most part, they say it's just lovely down there, and we do know the weather is beautiful there, and it's getting cold here. So it's not sort of the Wild West show as we think it is. From what I understand, it's very controlled and a very safe-feeling environment. And what about, you know, a lot of people uh, like to go to the Caribbean. Um, what do you think is going on with trips like that? I, I think the Sun Destinations and the U.S. are still okay. I think international is what's definitely on the back burner for fear of getting stuck in a country and not being able to get back into Canada amongst a host of many other things. So for the moment, until Thursday's announcement, U.S. and Sun Destinations appear to be still a go for not only holiday season ahead, but for snowbirds for the November to April push. But, when You, you but mean the Caribbean as well? Yeah, yeah, I'm putting the sun destinations in there, Mexico, Puerto Vallarta, all the places. They seem to still be fine with respect to uh, numbers of of, um, uh, of, of vaccines, uh, sorry, of, of people with viruses. It seems to still be good. And who's kidding who? You have to be fully vaccinated to get to these places anyway. So hopefully that, that uh, lessens the risk of any uh, emergency room, ventilator, ICU, and that's all we can hope for at this point.
Dr. Vaseman, we've heard from the science advisory table that, that our ICU system would not withstand another surge. Uh, so what is your sense of it? Yeah, it's going to depend on what we find out now with the Omicron variant. So with the current Delta, it's unlikely we're going to reach a point with this current wave that we'd, we'd, we'd have to suffer through a surge as similar to one to two and three. But that changes if this Omicron variant turns out to be a far more virulent strain, which we'll know in a week or so based on the studies that would already started to be conducted last week or the week before. So, yeah, I mean, if we find out quickly, I mean, that's the whole point of the, this uh, test and isolate strategy is to try to delay transmission of the variant, because if we do know that it is far more virulent, then more and more preparations need to be made in Canada to expect that this, this, this variant will arrive here and will overtake Delta. So that, that's what remains to be seen about the surge. And, and what will tell the tale? Because we have heard that a lot of the cases were very mild, but then people say, well, that's because uh, most of the cases so far have been in, in very young people. Right. So what we'll, what we'll know is that we'll see from South Africa, because Omicron in that country is becoming the more dominant strain, we'll see more and more data about the outcomes among people who acquired the virus, including what is the outcome among vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals. And so that will give us a sense of what we might anticipate to be the um, the outcomes for people. And plus, we'll get a better sense of how truly transmissible it is. Because the sample size is so small right now, it's hard to actually accurately estimate what exactly the transmissibility of the virus is. And over the next few weeks, we'll have a better sense. And, and you expect that in around a week? Well, some of the earlier data might be available because some in vitro studies or lab studies may be done, including neutralization, uh, like we've seen with previous uh, variants, to see how well the vaccine works against them. But some of the more clinical data will take several weeks for that to show up in middle or late December. And Marty, what are you telling your clients? I am telling them that it is fine at this point to continue with their U.S. travel. What happens on Thursday with respect to the requirement changes, if any at all. And that internationally right now, I don't have to tell them anything. They're telling me they're either canceling their coverage or saying they, they know they're going with the risk that they may not get back so easily. And also that they can't insure a trip from a trip cancellation perspective right now with COVID as being the reason to cancel. That's the biggest question I'm getting now, people that want to insure a deposit or future deposits. And I'm telling them it will not cover if you decide you're not going because of a border closure, et cetera. Uh, Dr. Vaisman, to, uh, to wrap things up, you know, the science table said yesterday we need public health measures. So what would you want to tell our audience to be doing um, in addition to what they probably are already doing, even though we're all kind of relaxing, I guess? Yeah, I think what we, how we'll behave and what would be the appropriate things to do over the next few weeks really depends on what we find out about the variant and how much cases already will rise here in Ontario. So I would advise the audience to pay careful attention to the numbers and pay careful attention to the announcements by Dr. Tam and Dr. Moore about whether additional limitations will be recommended, such as limitations of the number of people gathering and that kind of thing. But certainly, as you said, a lot of the audience is already doing the right thing, which is, you know, masking, getting vaccinated, hand hygiene, all the regular things that we've been talking about since the and, beginning. And, and finally, are you expecting them to expand the eligibility for boosters? I think the, the, the evidence and the pressure is certainly mounting. There, there really isn't much reason not to expand the eligibility, at least to the 50 and over group. And then beyond that, very soon, I, mean, I, I think a lot of pressure is now mounting to do that. 
Okay. On that note, we will wrap things up. Thank you so much, Dr. Alon Vaseman and Martin Firestone. Really appreciate your insight on all of this. Thanks Thank very much. Okay. And that is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.